Cadence, Episode 4, Sprinter. Today's your funeral. That's what the chief told me. Oh, your, your actual funeral, Nora, not my metaphorical funeral. Yeah. It's kind of dumb, if you ask me. There's no body, the casket's empty, and everyone knows it. I guess what they want is closure. Apparently hope is the first thing to die when people are just willing to move forward. I don't think they're bad people, though. Nora, looking for you gives me a purpose. Helps me find peace, you know. And if burying an empty box does that to them, then who am I to say no to them? Besides, this is a unique opportunity. The funeral starts at 3, because they wanted everyone to be able to go. I guess the middle of a Tuesday is as good a time as any for a fake funeral. But everyone will be there, which means the whole town's gonna be empty. And I... I'm gonna take this chance, and I'm gonna see everything in this town. I'll figure the whole thing out. I am going to witness it. Uh, yeah, 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 thank you, thank you. That was Linda, the receptionist at your broadcasting station. She told me all about how she really wanted to be at your funeral, but someone had to keep an eye on the place. But she let me in. I'm not below using pity to make people do stuff. Oh man, this place is so cool. I bet all the cool kids end up holed up in here. And honestly, I can't blame them. There are five rows of desks, and they are all decked out with computers, most of which have two monitors. Let's see if I can find your desk. Oh, I bet it's that one. <laughs> I say that because there's a poster of Kate Bush from Babushka hung on the wall beside it. She looks like a goddess. There's still makeup on your desk like you're just gonna walk out of the bathroom and ask me what am I doing snooping around your stuff even if everyone could see your disappearance coming from a mile away no one was actually ready no one was surprised but also no one had any answers every theory too easily disprovable Is that the... Oh, it is! That's the sound studio! Okay, I'm gonna hit in. Oh, wow. This is... Wow, it's amazing. Did you ever get used to something like this? Sitting here in front of the mic, I feel like a reporter, you know? Like, there's a huge story to unravel and I'm telling people the truth as it comes to light. Huh, there's a shadow 
on the wall directly behind the mic. It's the silhouette of a person. Though this looks... Yeah, this is burnt directly into the wall. It's about my own height sitting down. This is either a really funny story or a creepy one. And until you're home to tell me the truth, I'm choosing funny. Oh, um, that's the computer plugged into the console. It says playlist over. Oh man. Okay, I can fix this. Yeah, I can fix this. Okay, there are six folders on the desktop, all with the names of people. We have Jackson, Anna, Keisha, James, Maria, and, and Nora. Okay, let's check out Nora. Yeah, there's a music folder in there. So we just drag that over here, and that should do it. I hit play. Okay. Okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah. This is very nice, Nora. It really is. Right now I'm lying down near somebody's wheat fields, just outside of town. It's so peaceful to see the tall golden grass swaying in the wind. There's an old maroon pickup truck near me. It's been abandoned long ago. Probably the home to some raccoons or something now. Hey, I'm no scientist. I don't pretend to know how the world works, least of all astronomy. I know you can sometimes see the moon during the day, but I don't think it's normal to be able to see the stars during the day. If I look straight up in the warm tangerine shade of the sunset sky, I can see white dots sprinkled through the sky. It's beautiful, honestly. They shimmer a little, glistening like diamonds in the sand. Oh, hello? Oh my god. There's a stag. It's like 10 feet away from me. It's gorgeous. Reminds me of the deer in the forest. It's just grazing. He, hey, I wonder if he knows I'm here. He turned to me. He's looking right at me. His eyes are glowing golden. He's looking me up and down, I think. I don't think he sees me as a threat. He he has the same white spot on his forehead as the deer from the forest. His antlers, they're 
bending. They're, they're spiraling in on each other. They're changing shapes. I was just lying there looking at this tag when I heard it in the back of my head. A bike. Mountain, probably. The stag's ear shot straight up into the air and it looked beyond me. He bolted faster than I've seen anything run and soon went completely out of sight. I turned to see who was behind me and there was a kid. A girl. Eleven years old, maybe. Her foot was pressed into the ground to keep her bike stable. And she was looking at me. Then, just like that, she got back up on the bike and began pedaling again. I think I'm gonna follow her. With my bike, I really shouldn't have any issues catching up. Maybe she can lead me somewhere. It's almost dark now. The sky went from orange to deep red to pink to blue now, only to go dark from here. She took me through a long winding road and we came back into town. It was completely deserted. There was no light on in any of the houses, no running cars, no sounds, nothing. The whole town was quiet. She kept looking over her shoulder at me. My bike is much, much faster than hers. I could have caught up with her if I chose to. But I kept my distance. Not out of secrecy, but out of respect. And he was checking if I was still there. She wanted me to follow her. She wanted me to see something. We eventually reached one of the houses, which is where I am now. It's painted white with the fence that's closed off the sides, but not the front. She pedaled up to it and quickly dismounted her bike, letting it fall over on the lawn. And then she walked up to the front door, cracked it open, and slipped in. For the brief moment that she held the door open, I could hear it. A soft hiss coming and going. I got closer, trying to find the source. I left my bike on a hydrant and I came up to the door. I pressed my ear to it. Something coming and going. Some cycle. And then I walked over to the window near the door and I looked in. The curtains are wide open, inviting me to see. And inside the house, the ocean, an actual moving beach with waves that come and go, with clouds that inch their way across the sky, a horizon spreading as far as the eye can see. I'm going around the house right now, 
to the backyard. There's this sort of hallway, a small patch of damp garden that connects the backyard to the driveway. Oh. There are three, four, one, two, five people in the middle of the garden standing in a circle. They all look identical with short red hair, over, 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 overcoats, and shiny black dressing shoes. But what's weird is they're all hovering, floating, fixed in space. Their heads are bowed down, but I'm not sure if they're looking at something or keeping to themselves. What are they doing? No, wait. Not today. Some other day, Jason. But not today. I'm home now. It's so freaking cold. Where did you keep your blankets, Nora? Damn. Anyway, after the house, I went to the graveyard. Just as I was arriving, a horde of people began slowly flowing out of the place. They were funeral attendees, all dressed up. I kept my distance, avoiding awkward encounters. And when I saw the chance, I slipped in. The one person to see me was the chief. She wasn't condescending to me or interrogating or... She just kept me company. The chief told me most of the graves around this lot were empty. They all belonged to the people I saw in the farmhouse. I think I started laughing. Not a lot and not disrespectfully. More like I was laughing at myself. And then the chief told me to follow her to this small mausoleum. She said it was her husband's. She pulled out her wallet which had a picture in it. The man who was beating the door, he was her husband. She didn't get much time to explain though. Her radio thing blared out an alarm that she was needed at the station. She insisted on taking me home, which I refused. I was having fun in the graveyard. Plus, I wanted to see if I could identify some of the other missing people. I waddled over to your grave and I lied on the ground. The stars were beautiful. I started talking to you. Like, really talking. I think it was easier to pretend that you were actually dead for a while. Just so I could know where I could find you. I lied there for a very long time, trying to convince myself that I wasn't alone. And I began to hear it then. A soft hum. It sounded calm. I quickly got up, thinking I wasn't alone in the graveyard. 
but there was no one in sight. I wander amongst the gravestones, trying to find the source, but nothing. It sounded stronger around a specific grave, labeled Quim Davidson, singer extraordinaire. I know it sounds stupid now, but I kneeled on the ground and I pressed my ear to the grass. It was strong. I heard a voice singing. Music began to get louder and louder as I stood up. I walked around the graves trying to find the exit, stalling. And more and more voices began joining in. And so did I. Of all the awful, torturous, horrifying things this town has thrown at me, for the first time, it gave me something beautiful, happy, hopeful. The dead were singing. They were singing for me. is written and produced by Jason Fletcher. The voice of Jason is Jason Fletcher. This episode's music by Jezar, Chris Zabriskie, Matthew LaMontagne, and Emmanuel Toledo, Roger McGinn, and Soft and Furious. All of it can be found at freemusicarchive.org. For more, follow us on Twitter at CadencePod. Please leave us a rating, it helps a lot. Thank you for listening, and hey, always remember exactly where the walls are.